Hello, my rebels. Today, I introduce to you a man, I put it to you, is Canada's worst cop. Oof, that's a long list. I'll make my case, and I'll talk to the nominee, get his side of the story. That's all I had. Before uh, I let you get to that, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's our premium video service. You get the video version of this podcast, plus shows by Sheila Van Reed, David Menzies, and Andrew Chapados. That's all eight bucks a month. Pretty good deal. Just go to rebelnews.com and click subscribe. Here's today's show. Tonight, I think I might have found Canada's worst cop. It's June 14th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Do you know who police are when they're at their best? They're selfless servants who help us and who sometimes pay the ultimate price for it. They're the kind of people who run towards danger when the rest of us are running away. On 9-11, for example, hundreds of firefighters died in the Twin Towers, but so did 60 cops running into the towers to help save lives. When you're in trouble late at night, you don't call a social worker or a political pundit. They don't even answer the phones. Who's on guard 24 hours a day? Who responds in minutes? The police. I say all this because police can be the best among us. To serve and protect is a common police force motto. Maintien le droit is the motto of the RCMP. That's French for uphold the right. It could also be interpreted as uphold the law. Those are the best people, and we take them for granted 99% of the time when we don't need them. Most criticism of police, I think, is fake. It's political posturing. In the U.S., but also now in Canada, there's a defund the police movement. Yeah, how's that working out for you? I noticed that the defund the police politicians sure aren't shy about calling for the police to protect them personally. So that's cops. And I say all this because I have to remind myself about all this. I have to keep thinking about those cops rushing into the burning Twin Towers the police saving lives, because I have to keep that memory alive in my mind so that I'm not poisoned by the hundreds, literally hundreds of examples of abusive, illegal, unconstitutional, unconstitutional policing that I have seen in the past 15 months of the pandemic. I mean, just our own reporters here in Canada. My colleague is detained. No, I have to stay. Let's go. I'm on public property. No, man, put your mask on. I'm not in a group of 20, though. Hey, Deutsche Trottoir. Hey. I'm not in a group of... Oh, he drove into me. He drove into me. Are you, are you hiding your name? Hey, hey, hey. Here are the thugs. Here are the thugs. 
I'm in the middle of moving, you're talking to me. Can you not shine it? I don't know who you are. No? I also don't know who you are. I'm Constable Robert 6473. Okay. And who are you? I'm giving you my papers, no problem. Just. Okay. What? Who are you, sir? I'm with Rebel News. I'm not media Jewish. Who are you? And the police obsession with our Australian reporter, Abi Yamini. It was quite peaceful until. Or recording devices because you don't want to be recorded. You remember how that happened? Guys, this like I don't want to go, so they're going to have to physically take me. You can see here, it's against my will. You can see here, guys, it's against my will. You can see here, I'm getting forced and pushed to the back. What's this? Hi, Avi. My name's Alex. I'm from Dandenong Police Station. I uh, just got a letter here for you. Hey, guys. Assistant Commissioner. <laughs> just in relation to the uh, protest tomorrow, mate. What's your name? Uh, First Constable Alex Lyons from Dandenong. Who are you? So, this is a letter to... Uh, what's it about? Uh, it's in relation to the protest tomorrow, mate. Yeah, so what's the letter you're sending me from the Commissioner? Uh, the contents are for yourself to have a read. Um, why, is the, read why is he sending me letters? What's that? Why is he sending me letters? Uh, we've got several. What time is it? It is eight thirty, mate. We've got several letters to deliver, so we're going to be off. Are you going? Hold on. Are you going to Channel Seven, Channel Nine? Are you going to Channel Ten's house tonight? That's just our people. Here's a case we're helping in our fight the fines battle. I can't show you any more of that because I get disturbed for days watching that video. This was just a week ago. And record this. Yeah, it's online. He, he can record it. Jump out, mate. I'm not jumping out. I've done nothing to. I've not done nothing so wrong. I'm happy. For, I'm happy for you guys to just leave me alone. Okay. I'm happy for you guys to just leave me alone. Record this, meeting. You're embarrassing me. I've committed no crime, and you know it. That's Australia, but it's here in Canada too. I mean, why is a police SWAT team taking down a Christian pastor in the middle of a busy highway, making him kneel down? on the street while cars whiz by in the rain. He's not charged with a crime. Why did they do that in the highway? Why did they arrest and jail this pastor in front of his children? Why did they arrest and jail this pastor for 35 days? 
Why did this out-of-control cop scream at and swear at and threaten to taser a kid for being on an outdoor ice rink that was actually an official city ice rink officially open? Why did police literally barge into a church in Ontario? Ladies and gentlemen, my name is David Miller. Here's a mic. I'm a court enforcement officer, commonly known as a sheriff. I have a valid court order here today requiring the sheriff, that's me, and the assistance of the police to vacate everyone from the building and we will be locking the building. Why did police fine a man for sitting in his car alone drinking coffee? If you come back, you will not be trespassing. Does that include every Tim Hortons in town? No, that's just one here in Hampton. <laughs> just this one. So if you come back, you're trespassing. There's your ticket. Leave the parking lot now, sir. We'll find another one. Next one goes up to $1,000. Really? Yes. You can get up to $10,000 How for many this. have you so given move. out today? You're the first. Well, I feel so, so good about that. You're lucky. That. You're the first. You're the first asshole I've had. See my point? I am so disgusted by the gross misconduct of so many police these days that I have to work hard to remind myself that police aren't just Gestapo-like bullies. Please get out. Get out of this property. Immediately get out. Okay. Get out of this property okay. immediately. Out. I don't want to hear anything. Out of this property immediately. I don't want to hear a word. Out! Out! Out of this property! Immediately until you come back with a warrant. Out! 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 Out of this property! Immediately out! Immediately go out and don't come back. I don't want to talk to you. Not a word. Out of this property. Out of this property. Immediately out. I don't care what you have to say. Out! Out! Out of this property, you Nazis! Out! Out! Gestapo is not allowed here! Imagine that, a pack of cops going into a church with guns. I have to remind myself of the great police, too. The selfless ones, the ones who actually, what's, what's that called again, that thing they used to do? Oh, right, the cops had actually Fight against crime. I have to remind myself of those ones, the good guys. Don't forget them. Don't judge all cops by the bad apples. So do you have my position? I like police who do police work. I have no time for police who engage in thuggery, especially at the behest of politicians. I mean, seriously. This was because a barbecue restaurant was still selling sandwiches. Sorry, that's not police work. That's a political shock and awe campaign to scare people into not protesting, scare people into political submission. There were children at that restaurant when the riot police charged on their horses. So, so gross. Or this from outside Toronto.
<laughs> or this. Brian Pallister, the premier of Manitoba, tells a Canadian citizen, Maxime Bernier, who happens to be the leader of a political party, not to set foot in his province. Bernier does, and he's arrested. Afternoon, sir. Yes, Purple yes. Park with the RCMP. Yeah. I can get you to step out of the vehicle. I'm going to place you under arrest right now. Yeah. Right now, you're under arrest under the uh, provincial health orders. Okay, so if you could just put your hands behind your back, face towards the vehicle. Okay, put, give me one hand here. I'll get you to stay in the vehicle, okay? Thank yep. you. The other hand. Do you have any weapons or anything on you, sir? Weapon? No, no weapon. Only, anything on you only that's my hurt words. Me or anything. anything like that? Sorry? Anything on you that's going to hurt me or anything like that? No, no, anything will hurt you. Only my words, only my philosophy, only what I believe in. Okay. All right, come on over this way. So is that how it works now, where Premier of a province can have his enemies arrested, handcuffed, jailed? Why was he handcuffed? Was Maxime Bernier a violent threat? Why was he jailed? Why were police involved at all? What crime is he alleged to have committed? So you can see why I have to keep reciting my mantra. It's not all cops like this. Cops save our lives. Cops are there when we were in trouble. Not all the time. Our reporters were covering an anti-lockdown protest in Toronto, and someone threw projectiles down at them from a high apartment. The police were right there, but they couldn't be bothered to do anything. They literally told us, go to the police station and fill it out, uh, some paperwork. So yeah, just close your eyes and think of a time when police were the good guys. Hang on to that. I'm sure trying to. I should probably start an award for best cop of the year because I need to hear more stories like that. I need to hear more good news about police like that because I have to tell you, I think I might have found the worst cop in Canada. The worst. Not the most violent. That dishonor probably goes to the Toronto police. What a disgrace they've been. Uh, not the most corrupt cop. That dishonor goes to the Montreal police, and it's not even close. Uh, the cop I found is not the stupidest cop. That goes to the town of Aylmer, Ontario. No, I think I've just found the worst cop. You might think I'm talking about this loser, um, bylaw officer Michael Giesbrecht, who literally gave a ticket to our head of video, Efron Monsanto, for the crime of shaking someone's hands. How's it going, man? Officer Giesbrecht, City of Hamilton bylaw. I have you here in violation of the reopening of Ontario Act, yep. gathering with a crowd of more than five people. So that's a pre-written ticket again, just for the record? I had the uh, ticket made up inside when I saw you out here. So what were they doing exactly when I was talking to one of the protesters here? walking around, getting within three meters. Oh, that's how it is. Well, so if I just talk to someone, that's within two meters? I also watch you shaking their hands. Oh, that's, that's, oh, I guess I'm breaking oh. a law there. Okay, you got me there. What a loser that bylaw cop is. What a disgrace. What a fool. What an embarrassment. I'm, I'm pretty cool with tattoos. You know, they're not for me, but I don't really care. I like making conversation with people, asking what their tattoos are all about. Great way to make friends. But I really think that handshaking cop 
has a My Little Pony tattoo on his arm. Can you make that out? I think that's a unicorn or something, but I think it's actually a My Little Pony tattoo. It sounds about right for a cop handing out a ticket for handshaking. What an embarrassment to the profession he is. But Michael Giesbrecht is not the worst cop in Canada. In fact, I'm not even sure if he counts as a cop. He's just a bylaw officer. I hereby nominate Staff Sergeant Dan McLean of the Peterborough Police as the worst cop in Canada. And if you think I'm wrong, I challenge you to tell me a worse one. Again, not the most violent, that's Toronto. Not the most corrupt, that's Montreal. Not the dumbest, that's Elmer. Not the most politicized, that would be Trudeau's RCMP. I just mean the worst. So our friend, our great reporter, David Menzies, great journalist. In fact, he's the winner of the Rebbe Award for pandemic journalism. He's unstoppable. He covers everything. Even from the very early days when we didn't know much about the virus, he would go to the airport and report on all the planes landing from China. And as you can see, David would sometimes wear a mask where appropriate. But of course, it doesn't make sense to wear a mask when you're outside. And when you're a reporter, reporters have to speak into a microphone or speak to other people. They don't wear masks doing that. I also know this because Justin Trudeau has showed me that. I mean, here's Trudeau just over the weekend at the G7 meeting, no mask, right next to a bunch of other strangers without masks. So it's good enough for him. It's good enough for us, right? So uh, David was covering a news event in Peterborough in April where various people, including Randy Hillier and Maxime Bernier, were protesting the lockdowns. And by the way, covering the news is considered an essential service. And a lot of other media were there too. It was big news. That was a couple months ago, but then David gets this delivered to his home. A summons to court for covering that event in Peterborough. David is being charged with violating Section 10.1 of the Reopening Ontario Act. What a laugh that misleading law is called. Uh, Section 10.1 is a basic enforcement of anti-gathering orders. So that order can be pre-existing or a cop can announce it on the spot. But, but look at this. Compliance with order. Every individual who is on the premises shall comply with the order to temporarily close the premises by promptly vacating the premises after being informed of the order. David was not told of any order to close any premises or leave any place, and David was not there as part of any gathering, but rather as a journalist reporting on him. This is obviously junk law harassing David because he's the Rebbe Award-winning journalist covering the pandemic, telling the story the media party won't and the political class hates. He's not a government shill. Anyway, so it's a summons, and obviously we've provided a lawyer for David. We're going to fight this all the way. And we asked the prosecutor, the police, for what's called disclosure. That's the police case against David. It's all their notes. Uh, in Canadian law, the cops have to give you a copy in advance of everything they have, and not just what they want to give you, but everything, including things that could exculpate you. And we got the disclosure from the cops. You can see the front page here. And it is amazing, and it is disgraceful, and it is embarrassing to the police, I mean. And it's why I am nominating Staff Sergeant Dan McLean of the Peterborough Police as Canada's worst cop. Now, it's 22 pages long. A lot of it's just weird. And a reminder of how much power and information the government has about you. I don't mean to embarrass young David Menzies, but they disclosed every speeding ticket the lad ever had, including one going back almost 40 years. I'm serious. They've included the fact that in 1981, David Menzies ran a yellow light. Do you see that there? Capital punishment is too lenient for such a criminal. Let me read for you excerpts from the complaint typed up by Staff Sergeant Dan McLean in his official report, which is why David's being charged. 
Going back to the summer of 2020, several community members and organizations have been organizing demonstrations to protest against the provincial government's COVID-19 restrictions. Members of these groups have been holding demonstrations every Saturday out front of City Hall on George Street. These demonstrations have grown from 10 to 15 participants to between 500 and 600 persons. The defendant, David Menzies, lives in Richmond Hill, Ontario, and is a reporter for the Rebel News Media Outlet. Menzies is active on social media in the anti-lockdown movement across southern Ontario. Hang on, hang on, stop there for a second. That's not true. David is actually the least active person on social media in our company. To be candid, I'm not sure if he even knows how to do that stuff. The only uh, thing he ever tweets on Twitter, for example, are simply rebel news stories that he himself starred in. That's it. You'll never see him comment on other things. He never gets into flame wars or Twitter feuds. He just doesn't. But this cop, Dan McLean, is trying to paint him as an organizer, as opposed to what he is, a reporter covering the news. And then the next sentence is just as gross. Menzies has attended and reported on protests across Ontario and Montreal. Okay, why is that relevant? Other than what they're clearly trying to do, what clearly motivates them here, this is a political charge, a political vendetta. They want him punished not for any health violation or whatever, but because he doesn't cheer for government lockdowns. Let me read some more. Menzies has posted a video on Rebel News dated April 13th of being arrested by Montreal police. In that video, Menzies was observed struggling with police during his arrest. David didn't post that to Rebel News. Our, our own team did. Just stop with the little lies. It was a false arrest. We're actually, as you know, suing the Montreal police for that violence against us and other violence against our staff. It just doesn't stop in Montreal. But again, What's that got to do with David in Peterborough, Ontario in April, other than trying to paint him as some sort of organizer? That's a lie. As a promoter of the event on social media, that's a lie. And violent, that's a lie. Then Staff Sergeant Dan McLean describes the protest on April 24th in Peterborough and says, this attracted participants from outside Peterborough, which included the defendant, David Menzies. But, but why, why are you lying again, David McLean? excuse me, Dan McLean, David Menzies was no more a participant in that protest than the police were. They were both there in reaction to the protest, to respond to the protest. David was there to do a news report about it, like other reporters were, and the cops were there to do whatever it is that they do these days. Hey, dumb question. If the case against David is so strong here, why is this story so fake and so full of BS? Then here's the dramatic moment in the report. At 1247 hours, Staff Sergeant McLean made note and observed Menzies approach and greet Mr. Bernier by shaking Mr. Bernier's hand. Well, off with his head. I mean, why even have a trial? Straight to Guantanamo Bay. The two stood next to each other and engaged in a conversation. Neither person was wearing a mask or maintaining the required two-meter physical distancing. After a short conversation, Menzies could be seen interviewing Mr. Bernier on the grass just off the stage area. Yeah, that's called journalism. Ask a guy for an interview and then interview him. That's what we do. And only a total nut would do that with a mask on. Not even the CBC does that with a mask on. And then this. On one occasion, shortly after 1330 hours, while Mr. Hillier was speaking, Staff Sergeant McLean could hear a large portion of the crowd yelling, shame, 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 get out, get out, at officers who had just issued Maxime Bernier a ticket. Okay, thanks, uh, Staff Sergeant McLean. I know that hurt your feelings and all, but what does that have to do with David Menzies? He wasn't part of the chanting. This is now, what, the fourth little gem 
that's just being added to this report that's got nothing to do with David Menzies, but is absolutely designed to make it look like Menzies is an organizer, is a troublemaker, is violent, is jeering cops, whatever. None of that is true. That's called a goddamn lie. What stands out is it's, it's all political. They, they know they have to do more than just say David Menzies interviewed Randy Hillier or Maxine Bernier. So they're juicing it up a bit. Canada's worst cop. But I think this is why Menzies was charged. He embarrassed the chief of police there. Never embarrassed the chief of police. Staff Sergeant McLean moved over to this location and stood beside Chief Gilbert, who was involved in a conversation with one of the speakers, MPP Randy Hillier. Staff Sergeant McLean observed Menzies in this scrum, shoulder to shoulder with other participants. Menzies could be seen on video shoving his handheld mic in the face of Police Constable McGill. Menzies was attempting to obtain some sort of statement from Constable McGill after issuing Mr. Bernier a ticket. Police Constable McGill did not respond back to Menzies' repeated requests. Got it? Don't, don't embarrass the chief, don't embarrass cops, or they'll get you. It goes on and on like this, but, but then it, it just gets absurd. They were taking photos and videos of David in action, and not only was he shaking hands, which the cops say is illegal, but they caught him laughing. One photo shows Menzies and Mr. Hillier standing next to each other. Both are laughing! While Mr. Hillier has his left hand on Menzies' right shoulder, illegal handshaking leads to illegal laughing, and that can lead to illegal hand on shoulder. Seriously, look at these notes from Staff Sergeant McLean's police notebook. Observe Mr. Bernier shake hands with mail reporter from Rebel News, and then a detailed description of what David was wearing. So, Two days after the big event, Staff Sergeant Dan McLean sat down in his office and started snooping through YouTube videos. There were 600 people there, so who are they going to charge? Well, here's what he says he was doing. Going through video from protests attempting to identify organizers and persons who were aggressive. But, but hang on, that's not our David Menzies. He was neither an organizer nor was he aggressive, other than asking questions and just getting no answers, but look at this. I formed grounds on all the individuals that they breached Section 10.1, Reopening Ontario Act, by not wearing masks and not maintaining physical distance. But, but no one there did, not, not a single person, 600 people were there, no one distanced, no one wore masks, so why did they choose charges against David Menzies? No other media wore masks too that I can see. I looked through a lot of videotape, I just couldn't see any. So why did police charge just David Menzies but no other media? Here's David Menzies reaching over a provincial elected legislator, Randy Hillier, to capture him talking to the chief of police. I think that's what bugged the cops. This is literally the entire page 16 in their disclosure package. This is what filled the police with rage. Here's the next page, page 17. Here's the dreaded shoulder touch evidence. Wow, straight to jail. Here's page 21. Here's their photographic proof that David shook a nice lady's hand. You know, they're almost six feet apart there. It looks like it was only for a moment. But remember, I'm reading to you from the police disclosure document. This is what they're giving to the prosecutors to prosecute David over. This is their evidence. I'm not even kidding. But this is what they hate more than anything else. This is page 15 of the disclosure. Here it is. David Menzies and Randy Hillier were having a laugh together. 
That is in their book of evidence that is so infuriating to them that Staff Sergeant Dan McLean actually put it in his written report. We've seen people arrested for shaking hands before, but now we've seen them being arrested, or at least being charged rather, for laughing. Staff Sergeant Dan McLean is Canada's worst, worst cop. I'm sorry. And you know, I, I called him up. I saw his phone number in this disclosure, and I just called him up. I told him I thought he was Canada's worst cop, and I wanted to hear his side of things. And he talked to me. And here's how some of that went. I am calling you Canada's worst cop, which is pretty stinging. And I, I thought I'd check and see if you had anything to say. As, as far as doing my doing my job as a police officer? Yeah, I think you're doing it in the worst possible way. Um, giving people tickets for, for laughing, for handshaking. I think you're really abusing the law for during political a, reasons. During a pandemic and following the legislation as, as according to the law and what it states under the Reopening Ontario Act, as far as um, the law and what the law states regarding maintaining two meter uh, physical distancing and if you can't uh, do that then you you have to wear a mask yeah well, I, is I that what you're referring to is that what you're referring that, to sir that is that is exactly what i'm referring so to th are you aware of what the law the reopening ontario act states with respect to uh, physical and social distancing and i've read the law i've read the law what, what can you explain to me what the law um um, states with respect to social distancing and physical distancing? Now, that's a weird question to ask me. He's the cop. I'm asking him about the enforcement of the law. He's asking me what the law says. Now, now it's clear, right, that he was asking me ironically, sarcastically, as in he's testing my knowledge to show that he's smarter than me, right? Except that the Reopening Act, uh, Ontario Reopening Act, doesn't actually say anything about social distancing or masks. The words just do not exist in the law. Look for yourself. Now, the word mask does appear in the regulations to that law and health orders that are updated all the time. That is true. Here's the orders that were in effect the day of the protest David Menzies was covering. You can see the word mask appears 43 times in the regs, but masks are specifically exempted for TV journalists doing interviews. Section F, performing or rehearsing a film or television production. When Canada's worst cop asked me if I knew the law, I don't think he was trying to rub it in that he knew more than me. I think he was actually asking me, maybe I could help him understand what the law was, because TV production is exempt from masks. So I asked Staff Sergeant Dan McLean why he only targeted David. 600 people there. Why are you targeting just him? And I want to know if you've charged any other reporter in the country or just David Menzies. Sir, I've asked you a question. You've asked me one in, in response, but you still haven't answered my question. Okay, I think I'm, calling you, I'm calling you. I think you it's pretty wanted... integral to, to uh, you um, and reporting it fairly and objectively. That okay, you're so you're saying he broke the law. The... So you're, you're trying to say he broke the law. Is that what you're saying? As the law states under the Reopening Ontario Act and... Um, so do journalists, have to, do journalists have to wear masks outside when they're when they're reporting? Does any journalist in the country have to wear a mask when they're reporting, or just David Menzies? Sir, I am a public official, and when I am conducting my work, when I'm outside in public, 
I'm not exempt from not wearing a mask while I'm performing my duties. Actually, he is. The latest version of the lockdown in Ontario simply doesn't have anything about outdoor masks. Nothing. You can look it up. Here's some more. Okay. All now, have you, have you charged any other reporters ever? I mean, there were a bunch of reporters at that event. Did you charge David anyone was, else or, or just David? So some of the other reporters were wearing masks, sir. Yeah, not that I saw, but... That's his way of saving, of saying David Menzies was the only reporter charged. Tell me one other who was. Here's more. Now, I see that you have a picture of David shaking hands with a lady. They're actually fairly far apart. Is that an offense in your mind, shaking hands with someone on the street? If you're not maintaining the physical distancing and not wearing a mask, then at that time, that is an offense under the Reopening Ontario Act. Do you understand that? Do you think that's the law? That it's illegal to shake hands on the street? You, th you really think so? You think so, eh? We're going to have to build some more courthouses if that's the case. Here's some more. Before okay. we go on to the next question, mm -hmm. how can you argue the fact that he's not committing an offense when he's mm -hmm. in, a, in a crowd, he's not maintaining mm -hmm. the two meters physical distance? Because it's selective enforcement. It's selective enforcement. That's uh, Okay, so... It's not selective enforcement. It is the facts of the law and understand. Why did you choose him? Why did you choose the him? The facts of the law. How many and people we, did you give tickets we, to for this same offense? How many, or is it just David, or how many others? No, no. There was a number of individuals that had received. Six hundred people there. How many got tickets? Six hundred people there. How many got tickets? As far as the total number of tickets, I think we've released that, and I think. From the top of my head, I'm thinking 12 from the top 12. of my head. Selective enforcement, 12 out of 600 people are charged. You saw his reasoning. It was in his report. David was chatting with people. He was laughing with people. He was interviewing people. And more than any of that, he was just, just plain old embarrassed the police chief by asking questions. That's why they targeted him. Well, why are you pulling me over for speeding? Look, there's mm -hmm. 500 other people there mm -hmm. for speeding. We cannot pull everybody over for speeding. It is impossible. The same as 600 people at the, um, the rally. It's physically impossible. And then everybody says, well, why me? Well, why? And that's every person that gets a ticket says the same thing. Why me? Everyone says that? I'm not sure if everyone says that when they're pulled over for a traffic ticket. I think people know why they were pulled over, because they were speeding. But when you literally have a gathering of 600 people, and then you meticulously spend 10 days choosing and selecting, it actually becomes a real question. Why him and not her? It's not just who you happen to pull over at any moment on a highway. This was planned in advance. Let me refer to Staff Sergeant McLean's handwritten notes. This was targeting organizers, people they said were aggressive. David was not an organizer. David was not aggressive. He was not an organizer or a participant. They lied because they want to get him for political reasons. The facts and issue do not, are not favorable for Mr. Menzies. So that's the issue, the facts and issue as far as you will report, oh, they are, police charge Mr. Menzies for laughing. Well, that's not accurate, and it's misleading. No, I'm sorry, that's not good enough. The fact that David was laughing was specifically mentioned in his written report. It was important enough that it was photographed and included when only a handful of photos. It was clearly 
something that bothered the police. They wanted to wipe that smile off his face. They were outraged with him. If laughing was irrelevant, why was it mentioned specifically? Why was there a photo of the laughing? Anything else you want to tell me? Um, just that I would like you to report it in a fair, factual manner, and that emphasis on the facts and issue. Okay, well, I'll do my best, and I appreciate your, and I will, and you'll see. I don't have anything I, personal against mm -hmm. Rebel News, Mr. Menzies, or you, sir. Okay. That's where you are fair, try to be as fair and impartial. And maybe you can write this down, that we try to be as fair and impartial as we possibly can, but knowing that we cannot please everyone and that there will be people that are, are going to be upset and we cannot charge everyone. It's just physically impossible. You know, it was a frustrating 15 minutes with that cop. I was actually surprised that he would talk to me at all about a case that hasn't been in court yet. I think it's a bit weird for a cop to speak at length about a case before he has to appear as a witness in that case. I agree with some of the things of what he says, I gotta tell you. In fact, I think he softened me a little bit. These laws are ridiculous. They are not evenly enforced and his job is to enforce them. Why get mad at a law enforcement officer for enforcing laws he didn't write? Why not get mad at the fools writing those laws? And by the way, those aren't even elected officials. You think MPPs vote on these laws? These are regulations passed by unknown, unnamed, unaccountable public health bureaucrats. Now that does cut some ice with me, I'll tell you. He changed my mind a couple of degrees, but not a lot, because out of 600 people who attended that day, 588 went home without a ticket, only 12 were targeted. And unlike Staff Sergeant McLean's analogy to random speeding tickets, this was anything but random. They poured over pictures and videos for days. They made lists, they scoured Facebook posts, they creeped individuals out there, they labeled people as political troublemakers. That's why they chose David Menzies as the only reporter to charge. I asked this cop five times why he chose David Menzies and he wouldn't answer any time. Well, that's an answer in itself, isn't it? So there you have it. Is he Canada's most violent cop? No, that's probably someone in Toronto. Is he the most corrupt cop? No, obviously that dishonor goes to Montreal. The stupidest cops are to be found in Aylmer. But for singling out our rebel news reporter who has a TV mask exemption, who is outdoors, singling him out for the offense of shaking hands with a lovely old lady, and then singling him out for the offense of laughing and taking surveillance photos of the handshaking and the laughing and then defending that as normal policing, I hereby nominate Staff Sergeant Dan McLean of Peterborough as Canada's worst cop. What do you think? Let me know. And if you want to help David Menzies and stand with him, well, then go to Stand With menzies.com because we are going to fight this all the way and we've got a few more questions for Staff Sergeant McLean except for this time he'll be under oath when he answers them. Go to standwithmenzies.com if you're with me. Stay with us for more.
afternoon, sir. Yes, Michael yes. Clark with the RCMP. Yeah. I can get you step out of the vehicle. I'm gonna place you under arrest right now. Yeah. Right now, you're under arrest under the uh, provincial health orders. Okay, so if you can just put your hands behind your back, face towards the vehicle. Okay, put, give me one hand here. I'll get you to stand the vehicle, okay? Thank yep. You. The other hand. Do you have any weapons or anything on you, sir? Weapon? No, no weapon. Only, anything on you only that's my hurt words. Me or anything. anything like that? Sorry? Anything on you that's going to hurt me or anything like that? No, no, anything will hurt you. Only my words, only my philosophy, only what I believe in. Okay. All right, come on over this way. I'll explain a few things to you here right away. That's the footage of People's Party leader Maxime Bernier being arrested, handcuffed, put in the back of a police vehicle, and later taken to jail all for the non-crime of attending a political gathering. I emphasize the non-crime because it was no one less than Justin Trudeau's RCMP who did the arresting, although you'll notice the police officer was wearing a uh, Under Armour uh, ball cap. It was just some other brand. He wasn't wearing his uniform. Just a little wrinkle of oddness there. Well, joining us now to talk about this, now safely freed from jail and back in Quebec, is Maxime Bernier, who joins us now. Maxime Bernier, welcome back to Quebec. Tell us uh, what happened after you were put into the back of the police vehicle. Uh, how long were you in the back of the vehicle? Where did they take you from then? And what did they say? Yeah. First of all, Ezra, thank you very much for, for giving me this opportunity to speak to Canadians about that. Uh, you know, you're right saying uh, since the beginning that it was not about COVID. Uh, it was not about... Uh, uh, respecting uh, regulations. It, it was about political repression. Actually, the premier of uh, uh, of uh, Manitoba, Mr. Pallister, said before, Thursday before, that if I'm, go if I'm going to Manitoba, uh, my my wallet will uh, will have to, to be open and uh, it's at, at my own risk. And that was, he, do he doesn't want to have any Canadians, uh, politicians speak against uh, these draconian lockdowns. So, uh, yes, when I was in the car, first of all, I was very surprised to be arrested. My lawyer told me that, you know, there's a risk that you'll be arrested, uh, that will be arrested. And uh, I was arrested, actually, after the second uh, get-together that I did. And the rule over there, their, their unconstitutional rule over there, is if you are, if you are more than five persons outside in a park, it's illegal. So at the first uh, at the first meeting with my people, my partisan in a little village, we were out there in a public park. We were about 15, and they gave me the first ticket. And after that, they said to me, you know, if you're doing another event out there with more than five people, you have a risk to be arrested. So I spoke with my lawyers, and they told me that you have a strong case. That's your constitutional rights. You can do it. That's a big risk, but it would be your decision. And I decided to do the second event. Uh, in uh, Saint Pierre Jolie, near near Winnipeg, about an hour south of Winnipeg, a little a little town over there, and uh, we were only eight person with myself, and I was the only one who had the tickets. Uh, I was the only one who, who was handcuffed, um, and that was really political. And when I was in the car, uh, policemen told me that you know we're gonna go to the the station, the police station in that same village. Uh, I was there for eight hours. Uh, usually, 
they let you do some phone calls, but they were very strict and they said to me, you have the right to do two uh, phone calls to your, to your lawyer and that's it. So I called my lawyers two times and after that I asked if I can call my wife. They said no. Uh, I was in a jail alone uh, with uh, no bed and, and nothing uh, for eight hours. Um, and but the, the crown wanted me to uh, be uh, able to to leave the and to be free again on certain conditions. And the condition was against my own freedom, uh, my own charters, my own right to speak, my freedom of speech, because they were asking the judge to uh, be sure that I won't be able to communicate on social media, to do any rallies and, and things like that. A lot of conditions. And I was pleased with the judge. The judge said, okay, the only condition would be for Bernier to pay a thousand bucks to be sure that he will be back in court July the 27th. And, um, and that's, that was, and the other condition was to respect the law, like uh, every Canadian must respect the law. So I said yes to that. that. And the police asked me um, after, uh, I think I was free at around 11 o'clock p.m. that day. I was in jail at around 2 o'clock p.m., so about eight, nine, nine hours. And the police were very uh, strict with me, and they said, you must leave uh, the province uh, early tomorrow morning. And uh, they followed us when I was driving to my hotel to be sure that I'm going to my hotel. I was feeling like being in a, in a communist country. And the day after, I took the first flight to Montreal. Um, and I will be back. I will fight that. But Ezra, I had a decision to take at that time because we had a rally planned actually that Friday night that has been canceled. But we had a rally, a real rally, open to public uh, in uh, Winnipeg at 2 o'clock p.m. the Saturday. So I took the decision to leave the, the province and not going to that rally because for me, the uh, I, I had another, maybe I'll be in jail, but uh, because doing that rally and I said, you know, I cannot be in jail until the 27th of July because the 27th of July was the date and is the date for me to be back in court. So the risk was too huge for me to stay a couple of weeks uh, in jail. I'm a politician, I'm campaigning, and uh, we, as you know, we will have uh, uh, an electoral campaign this, uh, this fall, so our party must be ready. And uh, I wasn't able to take that chance. So yeah. I, that's why I left uh, the province. But I'll be back. I'll be back to campaign there as soon as I will be able to do it. Well, there's so many things you said there. And by the way, I think you're right. Uh, we've seen a Christian pastor in Edmonton spend 35 days in a maximum security jail. So the threat of you being in prison for a month is not as far-fetched as it would sound. I want to ask you about two things you mentioned. Did you say that the Crown Prosecutor wanted to ban you from using social media? Absolutely, absolutely. And after that, in the press release, they denied that, but they did it. And, uh, and my lawyer argued, and uh, they didn't want me to use social media to uh, use social media for, uh, uh, or uh, uh, do some uh, rallies and uh, do, using social media to organize rallies, uh, to, uh, to speak against uh, lockdowns. Uh, a lot of details, conditions like that, that we say no to that. And I was pleased with the judge and said, no, no, 
a thousand bucks is uh, okay, and Bernie would be back, and we'll have a discussion in court uh, in in July, at the end of July. Well, that's so outrageous that they would try and censor you on Twitter or elsewhere. That just shows how political it is. Now, you mentioned that you you promised to, to obey the law and you would come back in July for court. And that sounds appropriate. But then you said uh, the police wanted you out of the province really on the next flight. Was that part of the judge's order or was that the police rushing you out of town? Did the judge say you have to get out on the next flight or was that the cops? Yeah, that wasn't the judge. That was the cop. After my release, they were asking me, where are you going? I said, I'm going to my hotel. And they were saying, okay. Uh, and uh, we, uh, we uh, suggest to you that you must leave as soon as possible this province. Uh, we will uh, follow you everywhere in this province. Uh, and, uh, and you may be back in jail, depending on what you're doing. <laughs> so that was a strong, a strong advice for me uh, to leave as soon as possible the province. And, but that came from the cops, not from the judge, just to be crystal yeah. clear. Yeah, not from the judge, from the cop. That's unbelievable. You know, I have to tell you, I, I follow politics in other countries sometimes, like in Russia and Venezuela and places like that that are not free. And the harassment of political opposition, false arrests, trumped up charges, police being used as political enforcers, that's something that when it happens in Russia or Venezuela, we speak out about it. That feels like what happens in Manitoba. You had the premier and you had a mayor threaten you with arrest. It happened. And the police basically admitted they were there to enforce Brian Pallister's will. I find that deeply troubling. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and also, like you said in the beginning, I was surprised that the RCMP didn't have all their uniform. And somebody told me, because it may be cops coming from Winnipeg and not cops working in that little town over there. And so it was a little bit bizarre that they didn't have their jeans and not their, their, their straight uniform, as you know. Hmm. That's that's unusual. Um, I'm putting aside the hat thing. I just thought it stood out. I mean, normally you don't see a, a sponsored brand like Nike or Under Armour on police. At least I'm not familiar with that. Why did they handcuff you? I've never, you know, the idea that you, I mean, you're you're a senior po politician. You've been a cabinet minister. Um, you know, I as far as I've known, you've never in your entire life had a history of crime or violence. Why did they handcuff you? Why did they take you to jail? This isn't even a, you weren't charged with any crime, let alone a violent crime. Why the handcuffs? And how long were the handcuffs on you? Uh, you know, when I was in the car, when I was at the police station, I still had them. And uh, I think I had for one hour or something like that. And after that, they, they put me in jail. But usually things like that, it will take two or three hours and you'll have a discussion with a judge and you'll be out on certain conditions. But for me, it took eight hours. I think they wanted to intimidate me. They wanted to be sure that I understand that I'm not welcome. Uh, that, that was part of an intimidation game, I believe. Yeah. I have one last question for you. We were interested. Now, it happened um, sort of at the close of the day, so some folks might have been heading home. But you know, it was such a dramatic thing to arrest a political party leader. I tried to imagine what would happen if Stephen Harper were the prime minister and the RCMP under him would have arrested and jailed Elizabeth May. 
I think it would have been the top story on the newscast at night, and I think it would have been the front page of the newspapers the next day, and I think there would have been calls for investigations of police overreach. Um, I, I don't read all the mainstream media, so perhaps I missed something, but was there, was there an outcry from civil liberties liberties groups or from the media about this? I didn't see it. Maybe I just missed it. No, absolutely not. Not in English, not in French. Uh, you know, for them, it's, it's like like a business as usual, and they don't like what I'm saying. Uh, that's why uh, it was political, uh, political repression. And I'm very, I, I don't trust any more mainstream uh, media like you, Ezra. It's, it's a political party. And uh, they didn't didn't give me. That's the first interview I'm doing actually, Ezra. Um, and I didn't have any any call for a radio station interview, mainstream radio station, or mainstream a newspaper, or mainstream a TV. Uh, uh, no, uh, they, they 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 put something out there that I was in jail. That's it. And uh, next news. Huh, that's incredible. And I'm worried that they're trying to cancel you, to deplatform you. And I'm worried that they actually would like you to be a political prisoner. And whether or not people agree with you or disagree with you, we should all be terrified that a political leader could be jailed in so clearly a politicized police mission. I'm very disturbed by this. I appreciate you making time for us. And please also make time for our new Quebec-based reporter, Alexandra Lavoie, who reports in both French and English. I know she'll be very interested in telling your story to our viewers in Quebec as well. Thank you, I'll do that, Ezra. Thank you very much, have a nice day. Thank you, you too. There you have it, Maxime Bernier, the leader of the People's Party, joining us via Skype. Stay with us, more ahead. Thanks very much for watching today's show. It was a very long monologue. What do you think? Was I unfair to Staff Sergeant Dan McLean? Am I overdoing it by saying he's the worst? I say he's not the most violent or something like that. But you're literally charging a man for laughing and handshaking. I think you got to own it. All right, that's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here, to you at home, good night and keep fighting for freedom.